podcast world what's up chat building back at you another episode of this life ain't for everybody thank you guys so much for the continuous support i like to say that because we're absolutely humbled by it and we hope that you have been enjoying our diversity and guests and topics and themes and everything that we're doing here on the podcast and hope you had a chance to check out the new the foul life podcast all ducks all geese all the time we're seeing some continued growth with that we appreciate it please go on and subscribe to it leave us a rating and review and let us know. Just write in at the uh, foullife.com or thislifeain'tforeverybody.com and let us know any guests or any topics that you want us to cover here, and we will get at it. We're staying on our music theme today. We were just um, excited to sit down with Miss Haley Witter. She is on tour with Brett Cobb right now. I hope you guys enjoyed Guys and girls enjoyed that episode. She's awesome, talent, great songwriter, singer. And today is the man that she is opening for right now, who I consider personally one of if not the best songwriter in the country right now with the way he wordsmiths and puts words together he's very humble and he doesn't like anybody bragging on him but i always feel the need to tell people how special brent cobb's talents are so brent cobb thank you so much for being in the studio thank you for having me man yeah, last night was fun huh yeah we almost talked we almost covered it all last night <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of like that song uh, the first song on shine that you wrote with Scotch. Yep, solving problems. S- solving man. problems, man. We solved them last night. You, you all, you kind of get, you all get in that position sometimes where you think you can. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's by doing nothing. Nothing. That, that solves more problems than anything. But I think that I was talking to Haley about like this podcast <clears throat> format. Why I like it is that it lets you, it allows you to do that. You know, sit across the table from somebody and talk mm-hmm. and just have a conversation. And I don't think that it's done enough today. I don't know about your life, but it's it's easy to be at a lunch table now with four people and they're all on their phones. I agree. And I'm just as guilty and I hate it. Yeah. Actually, right now, my daughter is calling me. Can say I, hello. Can I get that real yeah, quick? Yeah, say hello. Because it's a little later there, Tab. Yeah. Get all this on there. Hey, pretty. How you feeling, baby? What is your problem? How do you how do you have how do you get sick but still feel great? <laughs> I wasn't like that when I was a kid. Hey, I'm doing a, a podcast right now. I'm talking on a microphone with Mr. Chad. Hi there. There's Uncle Ben. Hi girl. You remember Mr. Ben? Y'all hadn't seen each other in a while. Ben and Mary Jane, they got you that costume that time. Um, can I call you back in ju- in just a little bit? Yeah. I'll call you back in a little bit, okay? I love you. Okay. All right, pretty. Bye. What most people that move to Nashville get caught up in it and 10 years down the road they're still living in nashville a lot of the successful artists buy houses and make it their home you did the opposite you went there for a a, a bit and then you moved right back to georgia yeah it's because of that good little girl in the family right oh for sure well yeah but even i wanted to be down there i never wanted to even leave there i wasn't like the guy that you know has these big dreams and aspirations to move off to you know nashville or la or New Yorker, I just wanted to stay right where I was from, you know. And uh, But when I was coming up, it was before nobody was going viral. You kind of had to move to one of those towns, you know. But the whole time in the back of my mind, I was going, yeah, someday if I get to a certain point, I'd like to just live back in Georgia. It just so happens that we had a kid in the meantime, and uh, it made sense for us to be back down there. And your lyrics and a lot of your songs express that, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have zero issues singing about your home state. 
Yeah. You, you love it. How crazy is it that folks want to listen about it, though, too, you know? Well, I, again, I think it's if you just got up there and say, put words together that weren't interesting, but when you hear South of Atlanta and the way that you put the words together in a song like that, I think that, that, that people are... It's like listening to a good storyteller. Like Leith Lawton says, you're just a great storyteller. Oh, Leith, man. God. He just put out a new record, right? It's about to drop, yeah. Yeah. He's one of the first people I met in Nashville. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I was always a fan of hearing Willie Nelson sing about Texas or hearing or reading Mark Twain write about, you know, the mighty Mississippi and that sort of thing. So I was always kind of drawn to that storytellers how educated are you brent i went to high school i graduated high school is that what you mean yeah not very (laughs) so you went to high school and never went to college no i went to i went to tech school for about uh a quarter of a semester and this is right when i got lucky because la started happening i made that record with dave this is 05 and uh i was about to fail so i'm glad that didn't I'm glad I got, got What do you mean L.A. happened? Is it where you were? That's where, in, during this is 05, this is when me and Dave, my cousin, met. Uh, Dave Cobb, for those who don't know who that is, he's like a super producer now, Chris Stapleton, Sturgill. I know you know. Yeah, he's but, a But he, uh, we didn't know each other, and he called right at that time. and um, Or no, we met at a funeral. It was his grandmother's funeral, my great aunt, and we were just at – at this funeral, and I heard that he was a record producer, and my whole family is musical, so we we were sort of skeptical of what kind of producer he was because we had never heard of him, never heard about this guy. He lived in L.A., and so after his grandmother's funeral, my smart ass was like, "Hey man, here you're some kind of big shot record producer." I don't think I said big shot, but it was just you know that's. That was my demeanor. What have you produced? And he said, well, have you heard of Shooter Jennings' Put the O Back in Country? And I loved that album. I still, I love that album. Was that the one Fourth of July was on? Yeah, man, that and Lonesome Blues Blues, and uh, Busted in Baylor County and Uh such a great album. And and so when he said that, it just kind of blew my mind. It was like, wow, (laughs) that's my favorite record right now. And, uh, yeah, so I slipped him a little six song acoustic demo of these songs that I had written at this at this time I'm like freshly 18 you know and uh yeah it uh one thing led to another or freshly 19 I can't remember and he didn't want to listen to the album I think and on the way to the Atlanta airport his wife talked him into it into my little six song acoustic demo and he listened two days later um, I was working for a tree service crew at the time. I had just gotten off work. Me and my buddy had just gotten really stoned. And the phone rings, the house phone. Didn't have a cell phone back then. And the house phone rings, and I answer it, and it was Dave. And he said, hey, man, this is your cousin Dave. You gave me that CD at, at uh, Grandma's funeral, and I got Shooter on the phone right now, and we want to fly you to L.A. and record an album. And I was like, holy shit, man. I mean, it turned <laughs> wow. it turned my whole world upside down. And so I, you know, luckily I, I didn't I didn't fail out of tech school. I dropped out <laughs> and I moved to LA and started making making music. Wow. And then I mean that's like country music royalty with the Jennings name mm-hmm. and what would soon become kind of royalty in the producing world. I mean, grant several Grammys. Absolutely. Is Isbell, right? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. There's you Bull. said Stapleton. Sturgill. You said Sturgill. Um, the High Women. The High Women, yeah. Um, a ton of Brandy, Carlisle. How many of your albums? Did he do Shine on a Rainy Day? Yeah. Did he do Providence? Yep. He did, uh, but he did that old one from uh, that, that first the one. There's no place left to leave. And then we, L.A. was the first place I lived outside of rural southwest Georgia. I just can't picture you there at all. Me either. <laughs> and uh, But I, I love L.A. now. I love visiting there. So do know? I. And, um, but, yeah, especially being 18, 19, man. I lived right in the middle of it, too. I was on Willoughby and Vine, right in the middle of Hollywood. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, it wasn't for me. I went back and forth for about a year, and then I only lived there for about four months. And uh, it was just, it was a little too big of a first move, you know. And then in the meantime, that was uh, when I was playing in a band, Mile Marker 5, and we had the opportunity to open a show for Luke Bryan. And I gave him a copy, or somehow I don't, even, I don't remember giving him the CD, but he got it somehow. He got that first album that I made with Dave, and uh, he just he was like, "Man, you need to come to Nashville and write and meet people." And he invited me up to his place a bunch, <clears throat> and I never would do it. I don't know why. You know me even now. I like, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, and uh, so. Finally, after a while of me going to L.A., coming back, Luke trying to get me to come to Nashville, I was just moved back to Georgia. I was working with my dad. He has an appliance repair business. And one morning we were drinking coffee and we were watching GAC. And uh, and Luke's video for all my friends say. All my friends yeah. say, yeah. Arguably one of the best songs he's done. I love that song. That's good. And uh, – it came on, the video came on GAC for that. And my daddy was like, man, you ought to give him a call back. He acted like he really was interested in you, you know. I was like, shit, I ain't calling him now. He's too damn busy. And the very next day he called me and had left me a message. It was like, Brent, this is Luke Bryan. You need to come up here. You need to get your ass up here and write. And so I called him back. And I went and stayed with him and his wife for a week. And he took me around to a bunch of labels and, a bunch of publishers and uh, booking agent people, and we wrote. I had my first co-writer. I'd never co-written at that time. He was my first co-write, and uh, yeah, that's the story. I guess we can wrap it up now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's is is your friendship with Luke as strong as today as it was back that it became? Is it still going strong? It's the same relationship as. Uh, it's sort of like with Dave. Even though Dave is my cousin, you'd expect us to be much closer, and we are close. But I don't like bugging people. I don't like, you know, they're busy as shit, and I don't want I, – I think in my mind people of their stature have so many people that all the time are wanting something from them that even if we are close, I just don't feel like I should – you know, I ain't. I just don't like to – we're close, but we don't talk every day or anything. You right. Know? A, Does it bug you to hear some of the bad rap that comes out for guys like Luke because he can write a country song, he can sing a country song, he is country. Yeah, he loves the outdoors. He he's a a great spokesperson for the, the platforms that we believe in, make our yeah. living in. Does it ever hurt you, or does it get to you when you hear? Because you hear it about Luke a lot. All the time. You know, I mean, the, he's number one target. Yeah, yeah, he's all he's always the number one target. Does it yeah. bug you? Because I you seem like the kind of guy that wouldn't get confrontational, but you wouldn't have any problem saying, "Hey, look, that's yeah, a friend of mine." Any, any 
I told Luke this. We we got the chance to write together for the first time in ten years a couple weeks ago, and uh, I told him that. And I told him anytime I do an interview, people always try to pin me against him almost from the start. Or if they're if it's not from the start, they they're saving up for that's the question. You know what I mean? To you know just pin me against him, and. I, I every time I, I go, man, for better or worse, I told him this too. He changed country music for the first time in a long time. Whether you love it, whether whether you hate it, you can't deny it. It's the first time country music as a genre ever appealed to a young demographic, you know, from like 12 to 21, 22. That had never happened before in country music. And he damn near did it single-handedly. Because of that spring break tour stuff and well, just like I don't know from whatever it was. I mean, he just whatever you want to call the era of music. A lot of people call it bro country. I mean, love it or hate it, it was really good for country music, and Luke did that. You know, I think it's awesome. So, do you do you tell people that in a way of like, Hey, it was good for country music. Or do you also have his back though, as a person like he, yeah. he is, cause he, he can sing a country people song. People don't think that. Yeah. That's what, when we were writing the other day, we would, we wrote two songs in two hours. And the first one I brought in was super country. I mean, it's a real traditional country song because I know that he, that he is that, you know what I mean? He really, you know him. I mean, he's very much that person. He loves some Ronnie Millsap, Hank Jr., you know. I mean, that's what he grew up on. I know where he's from because he's from 30 minutes down the road from me, you know what I mean? So so is he taking a chance at hurting that legacy or that, or that, you know, that substance that he has as a country singer right. by singing a song called Knockin' Boots that's really, really poppy? I think... And we don't have to go into it if you don't want. I, just, I, I love going into it. I, I don't know. These are all my opinions. I don't know what any of it means. But, yeah, I think that... that Who am I to say doing a song called Knocking Boots is wrong? We can, we can both... Your personal taste, you can go, Knocking Boots, that's, you, could, you could say that that was not a good song. Who knows if it is or isn't? And even when he recorded it, he might have felt damn good about it. You know what I mean? I don't know that it was that calculated, you know? Yeah. Um, the good news is he really is a great artist and a great songwriter and a great uh, actual country person. I think Luke's got a lot of uh, aces, you know, in his up his sleeve, and I don't think people know about that. Well, one, one ace that he showed, I think that's how you say it, you show your ace once in a while, was a song that you wrote. I don't know if it was a co-writer or what, but Tailgate Blues, in my opinion, is that or, you know, that time of that album with all my friends saying that era of Luke Bryan, I think it was like 2010, 2011, maybe. Shit, that puts you at 20 years old, probably, when you wrote Tailgate Blues, if not younger. But that song, when Luke Bryan sings it, is a country smash, in my opinion. I don't know if it was ever released to radio, but... That that shows you what he can do with that caliber of song. I mean, he sang that song great. He can, he can crush it, man. Just his song, Good Directions, that Billy Carrington recorded. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I love that. Is it Collard Green? So good, man. So I mean, good. That's Luke. Well, he wrote it, you know. Did you ever hear his version of no, that? No, I have not. And I didn't know he wrote it until just it's, now. That makes me respect him more because that dude, song's awesome. It's awesome, man. Awesome song. Uh, yeah. he's. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that he, that he cut Tailgate Blues back then and uh 
I catch a little bit of shit up about that song because it has the word tailgate in it. We talk about Dixie Cups, we talk about cricket singing, all that. But if you listen to it, it's it's a little more poetic. Than no, just it's like, nothing like know. a tailgate song you're referring to now. Ah, uh, but yeah. Yeah, man. Luke can play the hell out of a piano. Where too. do you come up with an idea of having a conversation with crickets and what's going on with the trees? Are you that tied into nature on a daily and nightly basis? Because you hear it on the clay wall of Providence Canyon. You hear it, you hear it in so many of your lyrics of the the substance of the the geography or the substance of the habitat you're in or the or the atmosphere like the dance floor it's not just the dance floor it's an outdoor dance floor and you picture this wedding with all of your buddies with the lights hanging on the little cables and it's so poetic and it's so picturesque is like do, are you that are you at with are you one with nature to where you're so tied into it all the time my wife jokes me most of the time because of, because of my oneness with nature whatever it is i, I don't intend to be i just i just love living life i just like i mean man we ain't gonna be here much longer you know what i mean i just like it all i like the good and i like the bad and i like being able to experience life and if i'm gonna write songs about it i might as well you know they're a little uh i don't know what to call them they're little magic words that that you have to that i have to have they're real specific sometimes it takes me a minute when i'm writing a song a line can be close, but if it doesn't have whatever those little magic words are, and I don't know them until they come out, but like outdoor dance floor was is kind of one of those, you know, the little descriptive adjectives. It's beautiful. Yeah. Is that an adjective? That's an adjective, right? Yeah. I'm a writer, not a speller. <laughs> She's got a pretty good... The, how, Shuffling across that outdoor dance floor, act like he got no sense. His new girlfriend found her a pretty good. <laughs> fella, uh, I, guess, I guess that she's oh, into red. The, uh, the, the second watch verse out for Miss coming up to you, leaning up on you, want to take you home tonight. Got, got herself a six foot fiver Mack truck driver <laughs> coming in hot, and he loves to fight. I'm picturing like, <laughs> like a rhinestone, like Sylvester Stallone scene movie where you it's know, the, man, and it's too. like, and you got, and you have to get out of there before the sun comes up. It's so like I've literally broke that song down and was sitting with Leith Lofton one time in Kansas City, like I told you, and I I just don't think that you can put words together better than that. It's like the cheetah print, the silk sheet. You're sure cozy while you're in it because you're on top of the world because <laughs> she came up on you like that. But it's you like just, you just don't hear people put words together like that. So is it? Is it? I want to ask you this. Is it hereditary? Is it genetics? Is Can music in that style or that that ability to do that, is it something that you're bred with? Or is because you're, you, you didn't go to college. I don't know. You learned so many words in a short part of your life that you started <laughs> writing songs when you were like... Well, I write, in, I write in dialect. You know what I mean? I write with a specific South Georgia dialect. And my dad's a wonderful storyteller. All my life, I get him to tell his same stories over and over and over and over again. And he tells them in that dialect. And, you know, when you're telling a story, you do, you explain, like if you were fired up about, man, my buddy went home with this dude that night, Jimmy, tell him that, about what happened. He'd be like, dude, we walked in and there was a silk sheet, cheetah print, man, I was laid up in there. She told me her husband was going to come home. He'd been on the road for six months. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like you would, that's how you would tell the story. You know what I mean? I love it. That's so, exactly how it would be told. So that's what I feel like I have to capture that same genuine excitedness in 
excitement in when I'm writing a song, you know. So how, when you come up with a lyric for, does a song like King of Alabama, when you're writing in that dialect or writing in your style per se, Brent, does it come to you? That would seem to me personally as a song that would come to you very fast with the way that you knew the person. I want to talk about that person. Um, the way that you knew Wayne, the friendship that you developed with Wayne, does that, song happen in a blink of an eye when you're talking about his chain and his son and if you think he sounds country you ought to heard him sing and and all this stuff is it all does it come quick because you knew him so well or do you have to sit on it for a few days or how does a song like that happen because that is a song about somebody that made a lot of inspired a lot of people yeah he changed a lot of ways music was done he was from alabama yeah. and he and he lost his life in 13 mm-hmm. in a tragic bullshit Man, it's crazy shit, crazy Man. shit but yeah. how does that song happen uh, it was well. That did happen fast. The first half of that song was wrote two days after he died, and I, I, I remember sitting in the uh, in my living room. Me and my wife, we had just moved into our house in Nashville, and she was pregnant with my daughter at the time. With our daughter, first our first child, and uh. Man, I was just sitting, I remember she had gone to bed, and I was sitting in the living room, and all I could think about was Wayne's son, Jack, who I think he was about seven years old at the time. And it, and I was just thinking about her upstairs in, in the you know bed, with pregnant with my first kid, and going, man, I can't believe that Jack has just lost his daddy, who loved him. The last... I think the last time I saw Wayne was with Leith. Me and Leith went over to his house and wrote a song together. And uh, before all this had happened, and you, there was just no denying how much he loved his son, you know. And it just crushed me, really. It just really bothered me. And uh, I've always loved, you know, the first box, the first box set I ever bought when I moved to Nashville. I went to Ernest Tubb Record Shop and I bought. Um, Christopherson, the Silver Tongue Devil box set. So good. And he writes a lot about his own specific time in Nashville and his own specific characters and these people, his friends that were happening in his exact present moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wanted, I, I, I just think that's awesome. I think more people should do that. We don't have to write fairy tale songs all the time. What we're doing is pretty cool, you know? I love that. And I think that, like, when that all happened, I was listening to a lot of that Christofferson stuff, and I wanted to write a song that was that lifted Wayne, man, and let people know this dude existed, and he was awesome. And that's how that song started. And then, yeah, I wrote that night, I wrote the first, that whole first, what you were just talking about. You know, he's a man among me and the old school kind. I, and it was sort of written in a way, too, I remember thinking – when I was in the living room, like if I was t- if I was talking to Jack, and I was telling Jack, you know, when he's sixteen or seventeen, when he really, when it really, you start thinking about what all happened with your dad and how you lost him, and because someday he's going to do that. How would I talk to him? How would I tell him about who his dad was? Because you know, you only know your dad from from the perspective of your dad's son, yeah, you know, or your dad's kid. It's hard to know your dad the way he was just as a person. And uh, I thought this is the way that I would tell Jack who his daddy was. And then 
Well, I got the first verse and chorus wrote, and I hit Drake up about finishing it with me. I wanted somebody to finish it with me that I had met through Wayne, and it was from Alabama because it meant something to me. And uh, me and Drake kind of tossed around a little bit. We weren't able to really – I had a specific direction for it, and we couldn't really – we couldn't get on that same direction for whatever reason. And uh, – but uh, I wound up taking what I had already had into Adam Hood, who's also from Alabama, who I kind of met through Wayne, and uh, we finished it. And I just sent it to him. He wrote a verse and then sent it back to me. And I used a couple of the lines that he had. And then when we got done with it, I was like, man, how cool would it be to add Jack as a co-writer to this song? Because it was like, that's why it was wrote, you know? And uh, we got a hold of Carol, Wayne's widow, and sent her the song, and she just loved it and gave us the approval to do that. So Jack is a is a third co-writer on wow. King of Alabama about his daddy. You, Adam Hood, and Jack. That's it. That is so cool. It's cool as shit. Another song that needs to be heard by the masses. And how? what is the reaction of the <clears throat> Nashville locale and the people that knew Wayne? And when they hear this song for the first time, do you get blown up with just like, hey, man, you nailed it? Is that is that what it was like? Or did people just kind of keep to themselves? What was their reaction like? I get a lot of, uh, you know, not even people that knew Wayne, just people that are just like, Wish I'd have met this man. Yeah, I mean, which is amazing because, yeah, everybody should have met this guy. You can't meet him now, but you know what you can do? You can go buy his last album that he put out before he died, which is amazing. This dude put out – just let's talk about Wayne for a second. If I don't have much time, I don't want to like – No, you're good. You talk about him as much as you want. Like, think about this legacy because this is also what I was thinking about that night. How, how straight out of your favorite country music movie is this? You know what I mean? Uh, Wayne's last album that he put out was called The Last Honky Tonk, which is just gives me chills talking about the that. The one that right he now. was at. I mean, that, but yeah, he died in a honky tonk on Broadway in Nashville the night of the George Jones tribute show. That's crazy shit, man. Yeah. He was hanging out with Jamie. They He went and performed with Jamie Johnson at the tribute show, and Shooter Jennings. They leave there. Rowdy was with them. You know Jason Cope yeah. from Stillwoods? Yeah. One of my oldest. He used to be in Jamie's band? Yeah, he's one of my oldest. It's when I moved to L.A., that's who I was living with was Rowdy. And he's like, he's, he's the one who introduced me to Wayne. Rowdy also produced The Last Honky Tonk, that last record that, that Wayne put out. They leave there. They go to that bar. They're hanging out. All that bullshit happens. He gets shot, dies, leaves behind seven-year-old son and a wife i mean what a story and his last album is called the last honky tonk it's just wow were man. they there were uh, they still there or they, they had they, just left they had just left mm -hmm. and it was over a cigarette or something i don't know if you want to talk about it, but it was, uh, it was well, again these are just hearsay these stuff. are theory you know they're hearsay but they're from pretty reliable sources of people that were super close to wayne but it you know I I don't know if I maybe I shouldn't talk about it. It's a sensitive subject. It's yeah. uh I wasn't there. 
You know what I mean? What What do you feel like on a night like last night or when you are – last night was a real intimate setting, but you've been on the biggest of stages lately with Stapleton. Mm-hmm. You don't just open for Chris. You're a friend of Chris. You write with Chris. You perform with him on mm-hmm. on on songs where he brings you back out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Does any of that exhilaration or that feeling in your body compare to what it feels like to sing that song that we're talking about every night on stage? Because it seems to me like that would be the one to where you just turn emotional or so connected to your audience because of Wayne and his connection he had with his audience right. and, and the connection he had with you. Is it is is it one of those songs that every night gets gets to you, um, or ha- is am, am I onto something there at all? I or? would say that. Well, yeah, that song specifically is probably the one that. I mean, I definitely close my eyes. To make sure, I don't ever want to sell that song short. I don't want to do it for my own performance. When I sing that song, I want to do it and be connected to why I wrote the song. You know, it's not about the performance at that point. It's really about the story and the legacy of Wayne. You know, so yeah, that song may be the only one in the set that is that way. The rest of them, you know. I, Looking at folks and smiling, doing that whole thing. But uh, do you have his chain in your pocket when you're on stage? Most of the time, I told you last night. Yeah, I had, I had, I never wear that French jacket I had last night. I was in a casino. I felt like I ought to wear a French jacket, <laughs> and uh, I had just taken it out of it. It's in my bag right now. In the line about let you hold his guitar if you broke a string, and hold your guitar is a southern term for let you play his guitar, correct? Mm-hmm. So if your string breaks and you need a, 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 somebody to step in, he's the man that would always be there for you. Wayne hosted this thing at the called the Alabama Line at the center stage in Nashville. And that's where me and Drake and Leith and uh, Rowdy and just a ton of us all kind of came up, John, party. We all, that's how we all got to know each other was because of this thing Wayne hosted. And every night I'd break a string, every every time I played. And Wayne had this, I don't even remember what kind of guitar it was, but it, it was uh, strung really weird. Like the strings were, were strung way far apart on the body of the guitar. Cool guitar. But every time I'd break a string, he would be like, here you go, man. And he'd give me that guitar, and I would wind up playing his guitar for my rounds. Drake be over there knocking a hole up through his boots. Just stomping. Stomping. He loves the stomp. <laughs> We'd be up there trying to, me, him, and Hood, be trying to do an intimate songwriter round. Drake be up there stomping like hell. <laughs> Breaking his heel. It was awesome. He did. No matter where he's at, he's... He's a stomper, man. He gets after the stomp. One, one of the songs that you've written that hits me more than most, of all songs I listen to, um, you know, when I hear the song of... Um, shine on a rainy day. I hit. I hinted on it a little bit last night. Is this is is this song all written through personal experience too of the way you live your life? Of the 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 words really get to me about you know w- would you swim or would you go under when you when you when your life is fa- you know fa- when you're facing thunder. I mean meaning the thunder is adversity. It's a bump in the road. It's are you going to stay down? Or are you going to get back up? And then the line about praying to God is almost like you're saying do you only pray to God when you need him or is is have you always been a, a spiritual man and and how does the shine on the rainy day is a very spiritual song to me. I get a weird feeling that comes over my body. I played it for my sister-in-law yesterday before we went to the concert and she couldn't take her ear she's just like so tuned into it 
because she's a spiritual person and she was just so connected to that song in a hurry. And I think that the connection that I have with it is because I've lived that life of where I've caught myself Mm. praying when I get on an airplane for sure, but didn't pray when I was at the baseball game, drinking a cold beer, you know, it's, it's, it's like, do you only pray when you need him? It's, I don't know if that's what the song's saying all the time, but that song is so heavy. It's funny that you say that the original title of shine on rainy day was thank God for rainy days. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, I actually wrote that. I had the first verse and chorus. I tend to, when I co-write songs, I don't get stingy with them. I'll have a direction. I'll have a melody. I'll have the chord structure. I'll have the first verse usually, and maybe a chorus or half a chorus. I had the first verse and half chorus wrote. And then me and this guy, Andrew Combs, uh, had a co-write together. We'd never met each other. Sat in the room for a while, hung out, swapped songs back and forth, and then I had that little bit of Shine On. And uh, we wound up finishing it together. And um, he is the one that actually we did the work tape. I sang, thank God for rainy days. And then he made another work tape later. And he said, shine on rainy day. I was like, man, that's why you co-write, you know, because you just never know. Is it a word play? Shine on rainy day could mean that your seat, you, even though it's cloudy and overcast, shine on, baby. it's still shining. It's the sun's right. up there. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to embrace the, the bad with the good. Again, you just, we only have one life, and I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm, I am, I welcome good. I like to have fun. I also welcome bad. I like to feel bad. I like to be depressed. It's all part of the experience, you know. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. You like to be depressed to a point of not depression? Not depression. I just like feeling down sometimes, you know. That's interesting. I like because it. most people would never admit that. Because social media shows that everybody is never down. You know, they're I, so happy out there. I think a lot about this. I think that when you think about when we grew up, you know, you're a few years older. I'm 33. I don't know how. Old I'm 45. Are. All right. So you, I mean, 30, 30, 30, 30, 35. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, though, we I caught the tail end of it. Uh, we grew up. Connect. We were part of the old world. I got to see the old world before we were all connected. You know, where when you were sitting in the shop on a Friday night listening to the radio, you were by yourself. The only connection you had to the rest of the world was that radio and that radio show. Other than that, you were completely isolated. You had to sit in your loneliness. You had to be lonely. I think that's healthy as shit. I think nobody is able to feel lonely anymore. But they are super lonely. It makes them more lonely which makes them depressed, gives them anxiety, makes them fear death. I think that if you, like, embrace your loneliness, man, it's okay to feel lonely. Let your thoughts wander. Think about shit. It's one of the smartest things I've heard said in a long time about how you are alone, but you're with all these people connected on this little picturesque, little feel-good machine. Mm -hmm. But really, you're just becoming more depressed and more Because you're not actually with anybody. You're not actually with anybody, but you're living through all of these people that are smiling and making you feel like they're on top of the world all the time. Well, not even that, but just knowing that, you know, our phones are on our hip at all times, so you can be connected. Somebody can get a hold of you at any time. There's never a moment where you're like, can't be, you know, can't be on the phone with. Like, can't be, all your friends are in your pocket. You're never left alone. We need to be left alone, man. We need some alone time. You prove that, too, because you are a self-proclaimed non-texter backer. 
<laughs> oh, you got me. Well, well, yeah. You, I've heard you say that, that you're I, not real good at getting back to man, people. But I, it's I, but you have a reason. Especially when I'm home or really anywhere. It doesn't matter. The only time I'm really keep my phone around me is if I'm away from my wife and my kids and my family because in case something happens, I just want to know what's going on. But, yeah, when I'm when everybody that I have to have around is around, I, I leave the phone in the room. I don't. And even on the road, I'll the first thirty minutes, maybe sometimes an hour. I don't even. I turn my alarm off when the alarm goes off, but I don't look at the phone for my first thirty minutes of my day, just to let my mind think for itself for a minute before it's infiltrated with other people's thoughts and opinions. You know, about whatever, whether it's about a cute kitten or politics or whatever it is. I just I think it's healthy for us to just let our minds naturally wander. You know, so yes, sometimes. I don't get back to people when they text. And uh but I, but you remember this too. Do you remember when it didn't matter? Like you'd get back when you could, you yeah. know, you know, somebody left a message, you know, two days ago. I guess I'll I'll get back now that I know about it. We didn't have to we didn't feel the need to like be on, right? Do you live your life like this or do you put on a facade ever to further your career or your your character that you is there a character of brent cobb that that puts on a facade ever or are you so down to earth like this all the time brent that you don't really see the need i don't know to be tied in or you don't see the need to go and promote yourself even though it's marketing and social media allows you to get out there to the masses right do you live a simple life daily to where you don't you could care less if you ever were tied into that kind of thing ever again i mean i probably it's it's not intentional that I do that. I think that it's more like, I mean, I just hope it all works out. You know, that kind of thought. It's not, and again, I don't like to feel, I don't like to, I don't, it feels, my Nana always said nobody likes a bragger. And so I, I don't like to, I feel like if you're self-promoting, it's just like, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. You know, I don't like to do that. I like somebody else to do that about me, you know. So it's but okay, I but I don't like to ask somebody to do that either. You know, right? If it comes naturally, and then it's cool. Have you ever had somebody critique you negatively in your songwriting or your music or the deliveries that you've had on album, on an album or a release? Has anybody ever come back and said something that made you go, "Whoa, didn't see that coming"? Because I, I'm just being honest, and I have zero reason to ever kiss your ass. I've oh. never heard one bad critique of a Brent Cobb song or songwriting ability or uh, a relationship or friendship or anything. So, have I, you? Has, does that is that kind of does that negative negativity or that type of negativity ever play a role in your life? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think too much about it. We we don't want to be critiqued negatively if we can help it, but. You know whoever you are, but I—I I mean, I remember reading some some reviews that that you know would be like, "Don't shine on rainy day." How it gets samey, you know. That's like, well, all the songs kind of sound the same on there, which is whatever, man. So did Hank Williams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but no, not not a whole lot. I don't get a whole lot of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just have never heard anybody say anything bad about it. I don't care. I'm not even talking about you personally. Professionally and what you do as a musician, I've just never heard anybody go, yeah, it ain't for me. They hear it one time and they're like, that's for me. That's it. I think that that's awesome that you have that kind of a, a quick connection to where people will hear you and then want to go see you and want to get your music. And I, I just, I guess where I'm going with that is it just seems like 
that's what Nashville would want mm-hmm. to be out there to the masses because that makes people want more of it. I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, that. I don't understand either. It's still a slow, obvious, slow grow for me. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I make a joke a lot of times on stage. It's taken 12 years to get to the bottom. I'm just glad to be here. And I mean it. It's taken a long time just to get anybody to show up. So it's, I don't think it's as instant as you or I would like to think it is sometimes. I know our friends, when they hear it, they go, man, I'm in. But I think a lot of people are not as open to even hearing it the first time so for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. But once they do hear it, I like to believe that they're into it, you know. Yeah. I mean, look at Chris Stapleton, man. I mean, he's, he, he's a prime example of what you're talking about, that once the masses were exposed to it, I mean, it blew the roof off, man. I mean, he was a superstar. And continues to do it. Yeah, man. I mean, he had, like, the number one and number two top albums on Billboard for, like, two years or something. Amazing. Crazy. And he was in Nashville forever. Mm-hmm. Steel Driver's lead singer, songwriter, had several hits cut before. Johnson Brothers. He, yeah, and he had several hits cut before he ever even came out with it. The first song that I think that I remember him releasing in this newfound Chris Singleton was the What Are You Listening To? That didn't Stapleton, do, yeah. or I'm stable, and he didn't do very well. The no, what Are You Listening yeah. To one? Remember that song? Again, I mean, it, and I don't know this, but it seems like it was another example of a Nashville Cuba, major, major label. Country. Try, yeah, trying to figure out what what's going to make this, this product sell. Can't blame them for that. I mean, they go to school for it. Technically, they're, you know, it's science. But I remember being in Fort Lauderdale fishing offshore with Brett Cannon, mm-hmm. and when and Traveler had just come out, mm-hmm. and I and he played it, and me and Brett looked at each other and went, "There hasn't been anything like this, maybe ever, maybe in a long." Right. I think I I tell people, in my opinion, that that lonesome song is one of the best song for song for sure. albums of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it, I don't know if there's any better, but it, there's there's obviously there's some that are as good in my opinion. But Traveler was just like man, yeah. We looked at each other and went album of the year, like the, no nothing's going to touch that. Well, and it's crazy how slow that one was growing before the CMA award show with Timberlake. Yeah, like it's I don't know why people want to sleep on things, but they do. It's just the way it goes. Have you written anything with him? Me and Chris wrote one time together about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. I walked in and I had an idea about a, a dog named Rastus. And I was like, well, I got this idea about a dog named Rastus. He said, I don't think I really feel like writing a song about a dog today. <laughs> <laughs> but we wound up using the little chord progression I had and the melody I had. We wrote a song called Sunday Driving or Sunday Riding. But that's all we've wrote. That's all you've written. We sh- my, I mean, Mama gives me shit all the time. My mom and Ben Ratliff give me hell all the time about not trying to get him to write more. But it know. goes back to your theory of not putting the pressure on anybody or bugging I just anybody. want a man, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, I, love it, it. I, I, I tell Leith Lofton this a lot, and I, you know, he's one of my dearest friends, but I often tell him to his face in front of people as well, and alone time, is that I strive to be more like people like you and him, of more laid back, not so driven all the time not so blinders on all the time in the fast lane all the time mm-hmm. hard on that gas all the time and uh you know friends of mine say belding pump the brakes but it's you know the, the the sweetness part of it the authenticity part the authentic part of it there's just there's a lot that goes in i don't know if it's the southern 
the Southern mm. part of it, because I often tell people that I really wish I was from the South, even though I'm proud of my home and my family yeah. where I'm from. I, and I think that a lot of, I told, I said this the other day on a podcast of like the, just the dialect that you say you write in or the, you know, the, 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 the way people talk down there, right. the accents. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a more sought after accent in the world. You don't hear people walking around wanting to, you know, they'll imitate a British person, mm -hmm. but I know people that are from, from Missouri and Indiana that have moved to Arkansas and they're more, they're more Arkansas than people that were born from right. Arkansas because they want to be part of that culture so much. I think it's, I mean, it's still, uh, it's still a, what do you call it? It's almost exotic still a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's not quite tamed. People don't understand the South is super misunderstood. You know what I mean? Even by itself. They don't understand themselves sometimes, I think. You just said something right there that I that just sparked a question. Leith made reference to this the other day in Canada. I was thinking when you said the South, I was thinking the South's going to do it again. Mm -hmm. What kind of artist is Charlie Daniels? Because a lot of people... I feel like that listen to it's always devil and it's always the fiddle. Is he more than that? And oh, was man. he, is he a pioneer and how important is Charlie Daniels to what you do and to the music? Cause I'm learning right now. Cause I, I had, when Lee started much. dropping this, I had no idea. Uh, man, if you go back to like any of that Hank jr. Stuff early on. So Charlie and toy Caldwell, which was Marshall Tucker guitar player. He's also the guy. He's this guy that sings. Can't you see? Like, they were all over that early 70s uh, production and that whole, like, country, funky, funky country thing. Charlie's playing all over that stuff. Toy Caldwell is playing all over that stuff. If you listen to, like, early Charlie, uh, what's that record? Is it Saddle Tramp or something? Maybe. I can't remember the name of it right now. But it's it's super, like, I mean, it's like almost jam band, but it's country, though. Country lyrics, but it's they're jamming out, man. And maybe and I don't know this again, but you're talking about characters earlier. Maybe Charlie puts on the character a little bit of like, I ain't nothing but a simple man. You know, I'm, I'm the dude that writes about devil went down to Georgia, but he doesn't let on that. He's also the guy that made most of that music that became so popular in the seventies. When know? you say that, is it, are we, that music is that Southern rock? I mean, it kind of is. It was, it was the Southern rock, uh, inspired country music that came out during that time <coughs> charlie's all over that that new south album by hank jr moved on down to sweet home alabama in 1974 you know just really halftime swampy feel stuff that's toy caldwell charlie daniels how good is bo cephas mm, the best maybe of all time for real I've never talked to you about that. That's the first time I've ever heard you say that. You're being for real. I mean, I'm not doubting you, but yeah, I, I but I'm but I'm a fan of like sentimental Hank. You know, I mean, I like wild rambling Hank too. But I I like like looking at the rain, feeling no pain. Like, I mean, they talk about a dude that's you know doing some country poetry stuff back then, and so that's lyrically. But then his singing is so natural. He don't push real hard, but it's huge. He can hit. His range is incredible. He can play every instrument on stage. Like, I mean. Songwriter, too? Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I just think. Like him and uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, my two favorite country voices of all time. You know, because they talk a lot like I talk, but they were able to sing like that, too. I can't. 
can't quite get there yet. I'm working on it. But but those two guys are like, I think they're the best country singers of all time. Like better than Merle, better than George Jones. It's better. different, but I just think they're the greatest. I just feel like because they sang with their natural voice so much, you know. So like it was, they sang exactly like they talked, but they sang the shit out of the way they talk, you know. Do you? Do you have a relationship with the like being tied in with Shooter, and his, his obviously he's tied in very well with Hank and you know because of the that I mean Hank I saw him where did I just see Hank live oh, I saw him in St Louis with Kid Rock he told a story about when he was eight years old going on the road with his daddy and he was being hundred percent legit like when when we when we would when I'd come home, there'd be little Richard in the living room and there'd be Elvis right there. And yeah. like, he grew up around that shooter kind of had that same kind of upbringing later. And, you know, later, right. obviously than Hank being so much younger, but are you tied in with that, that, that family is far? I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not at all. I don't, I, I met, I met Holly for the first time the other night. She's badass, but I don't really know any of them. No. What, when you say sentimental Hank, if, is there, is a song like outlaw women sentimental or is that, is that a, is that a, that's, I think that's sentimental Hank. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just more like, kind of like what I like to do where he's, he's, it's, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. Like he's, it's more about the emotion of the environment of that outlaw women, you know, woman, you know, uh, God, I'm trying to think of it. She works in the bank. She works in the... She works in the bank. Uh, she works in the store. Store, She don't me. go for that kind of that stuff. That old stuff no anymore. anymore. She likes to get high and listen, listen to, to the, the band. band. It's just so... It's, she likes the He band. loves that woman, whoever she is. You know, whoever they are. Like, that's the other thing. You don't hear love songs anymore, man. And, like, that's a love song. Oh, you oh, know? Old, I mean, so it makes good. you... It makes you it's kind of a for the wild woman love song, but you don't hear love songs anymore that are like, you know, like uh, uh, loving you was easier than anything I'll ever do again. You know, that Christopherson song that Waylon recorded and Willie and everybody has got a version of it. You don't hear that kind of stuff no more. I mean, these dudes genuinely loved the woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and I do too, man. And I like, I don't know. That's what's up. The song that Christofferson wrote, you talk about Christofferson quite a bit in the last little bit that I've been talking with you the last couple of days. Is is it safe to say he's one of your favorite songwriters? Yeah, when, and it's crazy. I haven't been on a Christofferson kick in a while. But again, I bought uh, two box sets when I first moved to Nashville, and one of them was that Silver Tongue Devil, Chris, Christofferson, and then the other one was... Uh, Roger Miller, King of the, the genius of Roger Miller, King of the Road, and that's all you need. I mean, if I, if you want to be a songwriter, any genre of music, it's all you need. You know the Christopherson song worth fighting for? I don't know. They had the tribute concert a couple of years ago. That that thing they did for him mm-hmm. and Jennifer Nettle sang it. I was talking to Haley about it, and it's about you know if you're gonna ride the stallion you need to be ready to be bucked off once in a while and it's like this yeah. up and down love story but it's worth fighting for and the way that he puts the words together in it you're just like you're that night when she's singing it and he's sitting side stage watching these artists sing his songs 
I was trying to tell Haley, like, I don't know if there could be a better feeling besides the birth of your kids, obviously, because you got to always say that. But I'm like, I don't know if you could get a better feeling of being a songwriter that was successful as hell as an artist, too, and an actor. And now you have these superstars up there showing you and paying you homage for what you put pen to paper with. Absolutely. I don't know if there could be a better feeling. I, I mean, I, it's like an author. It's like reading your favorite author and just being able to tell a story in three minutes. It seems so hard. Like that album up there, Ben and I were talking about redheaded, the, the, oh, yeah. the top one in the middle, mm-hmm. the songs on that. It's just Redhead like, Stranger. it's just like, how can you do that? How can you tell such a vivid story in three minutes? And you're doing that. And that's why I always, because I care about that kind of stuff. I'll really listen, you know, and I want to do that too. I at least reach for it. I think that's our duty. If we're going to continue, you know, carrying the torch, we need, we need to know where we came from and we need to know why we even have the outlet we have now. And it's because of that kind of stuff. What is your, what is your go-to right now live of all time? If you had to pick one person, one documentary to watch, one concert to go to, is there a bunch that are on the same level as far as inspiration for Brent Cobb? Or is it is it Marshall Tucker? Is it is it the Trucks band? Live, like go to a show? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, Chris Stapleton puts, he in, you know, that show, I, I obviously had the privilege to do it for three years in a row. But, I mean, it's just most of the time it's him and two other dudes on a massive stage in a massive room Nobody's using any drum risers. There aren't any ego boxes. There aren't any smoke. I mean, there's a little bit of smoke, but there's you know there's no fireworks going off. There's no what do they call the thing that goes catwalk to the middle. There's no catwalk. It's just a stage. Like that's a pretty amazing show. That's like Nirvana, but with like totally, a singer man. that's just rocking it. Yeah, man. And not that Kurt Cobain didn't rock it. No, I know what you mean. Exactly what you mean. Though. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Stapleton live to me. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you go to watch George Strait live, and I love George Strait. I think he can sing every, anything. You can sing along to a lot of George Strait stuff. That's it's right. hard to sing along to Stapleton. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like uh, that's really deep. Right. Some of it's really dark. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of you know the the you know check yes or no kind of kind of hey let's sing along with george right. or garth kind of everything's hunky dory yeah it's just everything is always hunky dory in those songs so a stapleton show i think you have to mentally get ready for it and prepared because you're not going to get on your feet and dance to you, everything. It, yeah. yeah it's not going to be one of those kind of shows right where sta- straight is more just standing in the microphone picking and, and playing he, and it's almost like yeah the, the george Strait songs are like here's some songs about you the listener and then Chris's show is like, here's some songs about me. Yeah, and you have to prepare yourself to go in and, and enjoy that because you're. it's not something you're going to go in and be rah-rah. Yeah. The talent is what carries those three guys. Oh, and then when Morgan's up there, his wife, oh, man, she's so talented. Ooh, I know. <coughs> yeah, what dead. about that, though? What? How in the hell do you end up? As the main, like you, it's you, it's Brent Cobb, Marty Stewart, who's a freaking legend, yeah. and Chris Stapleton, who's on his way to becoming a legend. Yeah, what? What? That's just got to be all, unreal. It all happened because Morgan, uh, again, Dave. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I'm, I probably get a little bit of the oh, I wish I was Dave Cobb's cousin. So whatever. Uh, but Dave sent uh, Morgan "Shine on Rainy Day" when we first got it recorded. Morgan's from Moultrie, Georgia, which is where my wife and I got married. 
And she fell in love with that album, and she just texted me one day. It was like, hey, Dave sent me your album, and it is it's amazing. You want to come to her with us? And again, how does it get better? I mean, it's awesome, you know. And Dave would he would he would say, you. I mean, he thinks that I think that it's all happening because he's my cousin, and I do sometimes. But uh, because he has done so much for me, it's not so much out of a cousin thing. I believe in my own self. I believe in my art and what I'm doing. I care a lot about it, and I do it a specific way. Um, but he always wants me to know that that's why he does it. It's not because I'm his cousin. It's because... You're talented. Yeah, and I appreciate that. But it does help <laughs> that he can say, Morgan, listen to this album, you know. Yeah, but you could have put out a shitty album that he didn't take any pride in putting out there saying, hey, Morgan, I, listen to this album. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that album's amazing. That's what I'm saying. It's just one of those things to where doors open, man. Mm-hmm. You, put a, you put that much love and passion into a project... Right. The the funny the the really cool thing though is that phone call you got from him when he's on the three way with Shooter about get oh, to L A. I mean just just the 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 pieces start to fall into place. You're 12 years into this mm-hmm. from when you first moved to L A. Right now, you were 18 was, or 19. I was 06. I was 19. I turned. I started going out there when I was freshly 19, and then I moved there. I turned 21 in L A. So that was 07. And then, so it all started, and it all started in 05. It's 2019 now. So how many years is that? 14, 14 years? Yeah. What kind of man is Shooter Jennings? I love him, man. I mean, he's, he's, he's a, I mean, I don't know. He's, like, laid back. He's cool. He's, he's a. And talented as shit. Smart as shit, too, man. He's smart. He's smart as a whip. Yeah. Did you get to listen to any of that stuff he did with Duff McKagan? I don't know. The Guns N' Roses tour that he no, did? No, I haven't. Where he was the lead singer for Duff's new I bet tour. That was awesome. It sounded so good. And he loved Guns. The guns. album was called Tender. Yeah, you opened for him. When yeah. He was like Young Star so. Gun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen him here so many times. He used to come here all the time. I love him. Mm-hmm. Love his stuff. Yep. He cares a lot about good art, too. What does. Does, does he do anything that reflects Waylon, in your opinion? Does anything yeah, I, touch I, on I don't him? think he can help that, though. I mean, I do. A lot of what I do is a lot like my dad, too. You know, I cut country bound that he, my dad wrote. So I don't think he can help it. I think but we all know his dad because his dad was super famous. And so, yeah, I mean, he would anyway. You know what I mean? Um, that's another thing. I have my own theory, too, about Shooter being the, the – he started all of what's happening now in country music you know, like his dad did in the 70s. <clears throat> With that, put the O back in country album. You know, all the stuff that's hip now, you know, like just all the cool country, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that album, I know that album led to Jamie Johnson. He heard that album. I was in L.A. in the studio while Jamie was recording High Cost of Living. Um, and then that album spawned the Nicky Lanes and the the Cody Jinxes and um and and then Sturgill Shooter introduced Sturgill to Dave. He's like that's the best country singer in Nashville. And they got together, did High Top Mountain, Meta Modern. Chris heard Meta Modern and said, "That's what I want my shit to sound like." Got in and they recorded Traveler. No way. Where it all started. We put the O back in country. 
How cool is that? Cool as shit, man. Did Shooter talk about that? No, he didn't talk about it, but I'll talk about it for him. He, he's probably like me. He didn't want to say it himself, but I'll say it. I mean, he's, he started it. How does a record that did not get commercial support as much as some albums do start such a revolution that you're talking about. Well, like, not- well, like I just said, I mean, that album, Jamie Heard put the O back in country and he wanted to record with Dave and Shooter. And they went in and they recorded that Lonesome Song album. And that album led to these other albums. They just all. Do you agree that that Lonesome Song is one of the best? One of the best. And so is the guitar song oh, album, God, the double album, so man. Awesome. So good. Are- Even the sky's blue. Do you, song. do you write with him? No, but Jamie's. We've never wrote together. I would never ask him to write. I just don't. I mean, he's so good. I just wouldn't want to write with him. But uh, he, for some reason, always is very welcoming and warm to me. <laughs> I've heard stories where he has not quite been that warm, but he's always been cool to me. Me too. Um, last time I saw him, we were at uh, we were at the Ryman. It's, few months ago we were doing the georgia on my mind show and uh he was there and he performed a song with whispering bill anderson and then i was hanging out with a guy that works with jamie who was having a cigarette and he was like man have you seen jamie yet he'd really like to see you and i was like well, let's go see him we we'll go up there in the room in one of the dressing rooms at the ryman you know and uh everybody's eating birthday cake and he's got Whispering Bill standing there with him. He's like, Bill, you need to write with Brent. Y'all write a good song. I was like, man, I ain't writing with you, Whispering Bill Anderson. <laughs> like, no way, man. And uh, it was Jamie's birthday. He offered me a piece of birthday cake. Uh, I was drinking a Miller Lite. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if Miller Lite and birthday cake go too well together. And he's like, shit, I invented that. <laughs> and so I, I felt obliged and I, he doesn't I, drink anymore though no uh, he doesn't drink anymore god is he talented though man man he is i mean mowing down the roses is so clever and what well, that but just his show is mesmerizing man he doesn't i mean he just stands there and sings that's all he has to do with I mean, a badass band man it's good they lighten it up out there ain't they you smell that trigger oh uh-huh. it's gonna be good i know it i'm excited so it, what Marin Morris is doing with the high women, Brandy and them, why can't it be you and Jamie and in in a new form of the highway, man? Not that you need to do this, but I just, just the world. I love the collaboration stuff like that. Again, I think it's cooler if it happens naturally, you know, if it's sure what Tyler and Sturgill are doing, man, going on tour together right now. Children. That's cool as shit. Yeah. I mean, that's, Two Kentucky boys. I wonder if Chris will make an appearance on that because how cool would that be? I mean, the Kentucky, yeah, maybe Chris Knight. The Kentucky trio or, yeah, I mean, that's what we need. Chris Knight, come oh. on. We were singing that last night, wasn't we? I love him. Yeah. I built a fire up on the hill. We were singing uh, It Ain't Easy Being Me. That one and, yeah. and Rural Route. Rural Route. Man, yeah. I'll never forget. We were, this is probably 2011 or so, <clears throat> we were playing at the Georgia Theater. It was Chris show. It was Chris Knight show. And we were sort of like he played the show, and then we played after at the roof, like an after party, you know, on the rooftop of the theater. But I had never seen Chris live, and I didn't know a lot of. I knew like the main ones, you know, but I didn't know a lot of them. And my old ba- a banjo player, Chase McGill, he's like, "Man, we got to go down there and watch some of this show." And it's just Chris and a guitar, and he's singing "Rural Route," 
And that whole verse is, for those who don't know, it's I built a fire up on a hill. I sat in wood and drank my fill. I talked to God all night. I took another shot and set me right. And I walked down to the road, filled a beer can full of 22 holes, and I said goodbye. Yeah, I said goodbye. I mean, I was crying in the damn audience. I didn't even know I was. Like, when he sang that verse, I was just like, man, that's heaven, man. That's what I, that's what I did, you know. Yeah. That's how I talk to God. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. You know. He's so good. Hell yeah. He is like, oh, man. Yeah, he, we sang Frame last night, too, for a minute. A little bit of Frame. Yeah, we did. His new album, I love it. I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to it. <clears> it just, it just dropped last week. It's good. I wrote with Chris one time. Uh, I say we wrote. We sat in a room together for about three hours. We were going to write a song. And I was like, man, well, I got this idea, and maybe this idea, maybe one of these will work. And he didn't say anything for a long time. He just stared out the window. And uh, he's like, man, you do a little more. You do like a rapid-fire lyric thing. I do something a little different. <laughs> I said, we can do whatever you want, Chris. <laughs> we didn't write anything. <laughs> you just sat there and looked at each yeah, other? Yeah, we just sat there and looked at each other. That was it. <laughs> so if you if – you, could you pick a collaboration that you would want to do right now that would make sense? Is there anybody that stands out, like either go on tour with or do do a duet? Or is it what is it called when two guys sing together? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't know either. But a collaboration or, is, or with the female? Is there anything that sticks right now of that you would want it? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've already toured with her, but I love Nikki Lane. I don't know how familiar with her music you I'm are. Not very man. Just look it up. It's the Highway Queen album is her most recent one. I think she's probably recording another one now, but came out last year or the year before. Every song is so good, and she is the real deal. I met her whole family. She's from South Carolina. She She's, like, self-made. She owns a vintage clothing line. Um, she moved to L.A. super early. Like, she's a boss, man, and she's amazing live I mean she's the, you know how everybody like I don't know like a lot of people do a lot of talking and you know about all kind of stuff well, Nikki's not one that talks about it she just does it she's just like well I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna own my shit you know she's she's badass but yeah Nikki Lane I would that's who you'd want to do a song with more and more yeah have you written with her we never have no we toured together last year the year before is it hard to become a guest or is it hard to be a co-writer with Brent Cobb? Are you very inviting? Are you very picky? Are you very critical? I'm, uh, I have a strong sense of direction and sometimes it can take me, <clears throat> you have to be patient with me and trust me when we co-write because I'll, uh, you know, like those magic words that I was talking about, they take, sometimes it takes a minute for them to fall out of the sky. But I, if you'll give me a moment, I'll get to him. You know what I mean? And uh, Ooh, I like that. But I don't think that I'm hard to write with. I just think that I'm pretty specific in what I'm trying to accomplish, even if I don't articulate it very well in that moment. Do you have a favorite that you've pinned yourself? Can you pick a uh, favorite? I love traveling, poor boy, broke. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like that song. It's kind of silly song. Talking about the man and the moon, having a conversation with the with the moon. 
Can you do a little bit of that one real quick? I love that song. On the acoustic? Yeah, yeah, do you mind? Yeah, I'm going to do it the way I wrote it, too. Yeah, so. I want to hear. It's a little more laid back. This, this is on This is on Shine. Yep, Shine on Rainy Day. Yep. Shine this on. is the first song we recorded for Shine on Rainy Day. Old man moon Shining in my rear view Leaving that Tennessee town You're all I have to talk to Don't know where my dog ran off to He's gone and has been for a while now Where I'm bound well, I haven't figured it out I'm sure I'll find my usual wrong way The cost to leave ain't cheap I don't need no heat or sleep Even if I did, I lost my job I don't got much pay Oh, but it's okay Cause anymore would burn a hole in my pocket Lord, I can't afford to be a poor boy broke Beside this pair of jeans is already Freddie tearing at the seams The last thing that I need is a pants leg full of smoke Gonna ride until my ride quits riding Then I'm gonna walk until my boots walk off Yes, sir, I'll be a sad when I get where they're looking mean and light. But tonight I'm feeling free and friendly. Banners scraping, chains waving goodbye. Waving goodbye. God dang it, that is so good. It's such a conversation. Sorry, last night is still in my. In the back of my throat a little bit. This sounds at a awesome. Casino, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> That's what you do at a casino. That's what you do. That's what you do. The uh, the second verse of um, I hate when I don't know know it right off the top of my head. I don't know them off the top of my head either, and I wrote them. So well, it's one I love. It's the number. It's number three on Providence. Uh, so, uh, morning gonna come? Yeah, no, four then. Uh, I don't know. Come home soon. I don't really know. Oh man, it's the one about when you got drunk in the in, in the group of people and you and come I'll come home soon. That that whole verse about about the you know they're talking about you and you're kind of embarrassed, but yeah, like, I, I wrote that song in 2010, I think, and uh, I was on tour with Jamie and with uh, Willie and Randy Hauser, Drake White. And he was the barbecue band. We were on this country throwdown tour. And we were in uh, Follow. Like, yeah, Rockstar, yeah. We were, uh, what's that? Was it Rockstar presented to the Country Throwdown? Maybe. When I saw Jamie on it, it was Rockstar Energy Drink, yeah. Maybe. Were you, you came out to some of them shows? I, I, I don't know if it was the same one. He did it with, uh, <clears throat> with uh, oh man, what's the lead, what was the lead? Heidi Newfield was on it. Huh. And Montgomery Gentry was the headliner. Okay, that was a different one. A different so one. Willie was the that was the year before. That was the year before, so this was the next year. Maybe yeah. maybe Rockstar wasn't on it the next year. I don't think so. But uh we were in Eufaula, Oklahoma, and me and Tyler Reeve had spent all day on the lake and we got just 
Tore up. Tore up. Sunburned like crazy. He got Tyler got so sunburned that he he like just went to sleep. He was he was sick. But I stayed up, kept partying, having a blast, meeting a bunch of people I didn't know. Got kind of like Ben got last night, just sloppy, and uh, <laughs> passed out hugging a telephone pole. And I, I wasn't really passed out. A lot of times, if I get if I get to that point where I've had a thousand too many. I'll put my head down. I'm, I, I'm still conscious. I know everything's going on, but I can't look at you, you know? <laughs> so people think I'm just passed out. And I can hear these people around me whom I did not know. And they were just like, man, this dude, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, But I couldn't defend myself. And, uh, and then I, I got back to Georgia and uh, was just thinking, what am I doing with my life out here? And... I gotta get home before I lose myself, you know. That song is so good. Every I, I don't know what my favorite track is on that album. I know "Shine on the Rainy Day" is overall my favorite track that you do, but I don't know though. That's even hard to say on that album because "Digging Holes." Mm-hmm. There's so many good songs. "South of Atlanta." Yeah, I kind of did a top ten yesterday. Yeah, man. I did a little top ten of my favorite BC songs. I don't know how. They were just my opinion on what I like, obviously. Right. I don't know if anybody can really rate what is the best. Mm-hmm. But I think that that, that verse is just, it, it, I've seen it. I've seen it done where you're just like, you're cradled up. And yeah. <laughs> just, and, and, you know, it's you do wonder, like, man, am I an addict? You know, I'm not. I'm not. Cause I, I like being sober just as much as I like not being sober. Yeah. And uh, so I, I spend time doing both. And... uh yeah, that song is, you know, I remember wondering, like, symptoms of addiction and at 25 is the original way I wrote it. And, uh, you know, it can get heavy. It can get a little heavy. Do you ever, did you ever fear of falling into that, into that life cycle oh, yeah. or lifestyle, being in Nashville or, you know, living that up-and-coming honky-tonk life? Yeah, I mean, I still do sometimes. I, I overdo it sometimes still, but... You know, not all the time. I, again, I like being sober as much as I not as not as much as I like not being sober. So, you know, I can fear you, it a can little. You bit. perform when you're buzzed, or can you? I used to think I could. I, now, I this year, I every show I do, I only drink. A, I'll sip a bourbon no earlier than an hour before the show, and I'll sip it for that whole hour leading up to the show. Most of the time, I don't take any beer on stage. Last night, I had a beer, I think. But usually I'll just take a, a cup of water and I don't start drinking until after the show. What's your favorite part about touring? Going home. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Makes sense. I, I knew man, it was going to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like touring that much. I'm glad to be able to do it. And I, I don't ever want to seem like I'm ungrateful for it because there are a lot of people who would love to do it for a living. So I'm grateful for it. But um, I really don't like it. I mean, if there's a good part, the only good part is like, I don't know, just experience in life and different places. Do you like meet and greets? I like meeting people, you know. Do you like going into a radio station and doing an interview with a DJ? No. Do you like doing radio shows? No. Nothing? No, man. I did it. I did radio tours from about 2011 to about 2013 or so. You walk in and it's, it's just like... They are, you're immediately judged, you know, and immediately like 
they, they're just not there to really listen to what anything you're going to play. Okay, so I know you're not the jealous or envious type. You're very humble. You're the opening act in the three-act deal with Stapleton and Marty Stewart the last couple of years. <clears throat> I don't know if Marty's still on it, but um, you're up there, and people are – I just talked to, to Haley about this. People are ushering in, and they're getting beers. They're in the merch line. They're having their conversation. They're there to see Stapleton. Brent Cobb's a bonus. Is it hard to stomach that every night on that type of a tour, or do you take it with a grain of salt and just get up there and do your thing, or do you sit there and go – we we need to speed this up so I can get to Chris's level to where I'm playing in front of the sold out house. That's, yeah, see, I don't ever worry. Do you about ever that. worry about anything like I, that? But I, you know, with his is a little different. It's a little easier because those people are there because they really listen to lyrics and they listen to music, so they're more interested maybe in listening to what I have to sing about. Not that all of them are that way, but uh, yeah, I don't really worry. I probably should worry about it more. You know, but I don't. So you'd be fine being in that spot the rest of your career, writing songs that mean something to you, and you're happy. If I can make a living at it, I mean, I would do it even if it wasn't what I was doing for a living. I do it for work, and I do it when I get home from work. That's first thing I do when I get to the house is pick up a guitar. Yeah. Do you do you have to do any side jobs anymore? No, no. I've been able to make a living just writing songs for. 10 years. How cool is that? Fucking You're cool. a professional freaking storyteller, dude. I'm aware of it. It, it freaks me out. I'm <laughs> it's like, thankful I don't every know, day. I don't know if being a professional ball player could be better. I just don't know what could be better. It's amazing. Than telling I, a story in three minutes and getting paid to do it. I, not, I'm not taking anything away from the talent. No, of it. It's amazing talent. It is amazing to me. I'm very grateful for it. At the same time, it is something I would do anyway. If it didn't, you know, if next year I could lose a publishing deal, I could never get a cut again. Who knows what will happen. If that happens, you know, I'll go cut some trees down again. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know how to do a whole lot of things. So it's, it's got to gotta keep on going. I got a lyric for you that I was talking about about you the other day. Well, yeah. Wants to be from the South, but she talks like hell and red. That's the, that's the last song me and, me and Leaf yeah. and, and we wrote with Wayne. Oh, it is. That was the song. Oh my God, I didn't catch that part when Leith was. I knew that you wrote it with Leith. Yep. Do you do you remember it? Yeah, man. God, this song. I got to play this. I got Leith is gonna. Yep, that's it. Oh. It's been a long time. That ain't quite right, but it's something like. Wants to be from the south. She was born in Cincinnati. Oh no. Oh, I'm going to mess it all up now. Hold on. I can't remember it, dog. I thought I was going to be able to remember it. Hold on a second. I can't talk like Helen Reddy. Says the street traffic and car headlights don't give them much good sleep at night, but heaven stars and the Promised land can't be too far away. Yeah, man. Oh, Le- Leith was telling me that you had to you had to find somebody like a famous actor. You and your daddy came up with it, or a famous Hell actor that, that her last name rhymed with Cincinnati. You were having a hard time finding. I was like, Daddy, who's somebody that ain't from the south that's got last name that rhymes with Cincinnati? He's like Helen Reddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. 
Oh, I freaking love that. Helen Reddy. I don't even know who Helen Reddy is. Is she an actress? Let's look it up. She must be, huh? I knew for a minute. Helen Reddy. Do you spell it just like Reddy? No, I think it's like... Uh, R-E-D-D-Y. Yeah. <clears throat> who are you, Helen Reddy? American-Australian singer. Singer, actor, and activist. Born in Melbourne. Yeah. Helen Reddy. Yep. There you go. So are you... you've. Providence out. Providence Canyon's been out for a year and a half. Uh, yep. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. You got? Are you getting ready to go back in the studio? Yeah, man. I'm going in December. December. Mm-hmm. In which location? Which city? We go to Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm gonna do it in in uh, in Raleigh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With is with same. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know yet. I don't. I think on this one, I'm, I may uh, depart from Dave for an album, just to just to do it. Is this something that's because of when you hear that statement made? About, uh, well, I wish I was Dave's cousin. Maybe a little. I mean, it probably has something to do with that. Um, also, man, you know, it's just good to. Isn't it amazing that you're sitting here telling me that you're going to prevent something from happening that most Nashville artists would give their right leg to happen? I just wouldn't want, and maybe it's all in my head, but I don't want that to be my definition. You know what I mean? Dave's cousin. Not in a bad way. I'm proud to be Dave's cousin. I'm also more proud to just be a collaborator with him. And he's a genius in the studio. He's amazing to work with. Um, I think he is the best producer. I just, yeah, I don't know that it, there may not be a shadow. It might be all in my mind, but if there is a shadow, I'd like to show that I can make good music without being in that shadow, you know? I get it. I completely get it. So new album coming up, you're, you're currently on a solo tour. Mm-hmm. And you're in the Western United States right now. You're headed to California tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Is it is the message spreading? Do you feel like it's getting out there? Are the shows, are people coming back to the places that you go more than once? Like Montana. Oh, yeah, for sure. People are getting more and more integrated into your music and they're showing up. Is it take a while for that? Just like it takes a while for the songs to come and for you to get somewhere in Nashville, growing that audience base is it's a, it's an endeavor. Yeah, man. I mean, for some people it isn't, and it is, I mean, everybody's got their own path. It works different for everybody else. You know, everybody has their own way. But for me, it has been a very slow climb and people are showing up, you know, we got anywhere from, couple hundred sometimes usually it's, last night was pretty slack you know, it was like slackest night of the tour it was a blast but it's pretty slack but usually it's anywhere from a couple hundred people to a thousand people everywhere we go and um you know i have sort of come to terms with it's just going to take a long time i mean i'm gonna be an old man but by then i will have had this this whole lifelong career you know and that's the kind of stuff that people will remember yeah, I think I hope have a cult following like Willie developed. Yeah, man, that's what I hope for. Jamie developed. Jamie's the same way. That was last year. We were doing a benefit for bass player Swine, his wife, and Jamie was there, and he was like, "Man, Brett Cobb, I'm glad you're here." And I said, "I'm glad to be here." He said, "I'm proud about all you got going on, man." 
I was like, I just hope I can keep it up, Jamie. You know, I hope it'll keep on working. He's like, it will. I'm here to tell you, you can put out one album that does kind of good, and, and that's all you got to put out. And people keep showing up. <laughs> you do, so, too. Yep. He comes here every December, and it's like waiting line to get tickets. Yep. First day they go on sale, they sell out. Yeah. Hey, I've seen that quite a bit with his shows. Yep. He's just got that. I don't know if it's fair to say, like, he has a, maybe a chance to take over that Willie audience, being integrated in Farm Aid right. and, and, and that cult following that Willie had. You know, Jamie, he seems to me like he's one of the most respected or wanted artists by other artists. Totally. He's been with everybody. Yeah. From Merle to to Willie to yeah. to George Strait. Yeah. You name it, you know, he's he's done it with them, right? Absolutely. And people are always inviting him to be part of what they have going on, whether it's the tribute concerts, they always want Jamie to sit in with the band. Yeah. He's always a part of all of it, right? I think he did yeah. the volunteer jam for yeah, Charlie did. again yeah. and sat in the whole night. Yeah. And he's always on those on you know, that part of it as far as being like, hey, we want you to come out and sing this song and this, because he just gets it. He He's just, he knows how to perform and he knows how to sing a country he song. Just, he just is a servant to the song, you know. He's, there's no other, I mean, he could have been, this, you know, Stapleton, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. and been, it's almost like, yeah, he chose to do it the way he's doing it now, like you're talking about. Like he he put his own he he made a whole album, uh uh it was the tribute album he did Hank Cochran Hank Cochran yeah, song for a song. I mean in the height of his like success he was like now listen to this this is why I'm doing what I'm doing you know <laughs> it's true, which so is true. so crazy man he's so awesome. who else would do that shit you know and you gotta you have to respect something like that I saw him live in Nashville a couple of weeks ago in Hendersonville. Uh-huh. He did a whiskey jam deal, and he went in living color. In color, he had his daughter and his daddy up there, and she's like, "Grandpa, what's this picture?" I, I don't know if you could write a better country song than no that. No joke. Yeah. And then he wrote uh, the one big one for George Strait was "Give It Away." Yeah, and, man, that's a good song. His man. version of that too is, you know, he was going through that shit. For oh, real. Yeah, you, you did write that song. Line. I know he did. Well, kind of like when he did High Cost of Living with the door getting broken down and all that. Like yeah. I think it was a lot of it was true. Yeah. You gave it all up for cocaine and a whore. You're just like, man, well, how deep is that? Yeah. To go and lay that down. Also, think about that was the single that followed In Color. In Color, yeah. Just He's like, like, no, we're going we're <laughs> to put out High Cost of Living. We're going to talk about smoking pot and Baptist parking lot. <laughs> and... Doing cocaine with yeah. strippers. With strippers. That's the next single. That's the next single. <laughs> All right, Jamie. It's like <laughs> who else would do that? Oh my god, you, that verse though. About you are people. serving a song, man. If you do that, that's you're not in it for yourself. You're in it for the sake of the music. You know, like you are. I think I am. Yeah. Will you do a little bit of digging holes? Yeah. I'm just gonna have you just touch on a couple more, and then I know we're getting ready to throw down on this Traeger. Yeah, man. Well, I ought to be working in a coal mine Neck deep in black lung soot Swinging a pick at that man Halfway to China I think I would fit right in Where the sun don't shine She'd better off alone Yeah, I ought to be working in a coal mine Lord knows I'm good at digging holes 
Well, I ought to be drilling for that black gold. What is it? Well, swimming in swimming the in the Texas tea. I can make a killing on a mound, selling my misfortune to a family. Cause when I hit rock bottom, the deeper down I go, yeah, I ought to be drilling for that black gold. Lord knows I'm good at digging. Man, I couldn't remember that verse last night either. Swimming in the text. I don't think you did the railroad verse last night. I did the railroad. You did the railroad. I I mixed the two up. I ought to be drilling for that black gold, sweat dripping off my trap, pouring off my back. I I like put them together. You put them together. It happens when you write hundreds of songs. Well, the thing normally. Which I've uh, proven that this is not true, I, I guess. But used to, I, I didn't ever have to write a lyric down. I can remember every lyric I ever wrote. I can't remember other people's lyrics. But today, twice, I haven't been able to do that. So maybe I'm losing my mojo. <laughs> no, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. Do you, do you think that country music is going to ever revert back to before the Luke Bryan transition that you spoke about earlier? Do you ever see it? Do you ever want that? Uh, I don't know. I I want country music to do whatever country music is going to do. I, I, it's, you know, it's cool because you kind of, it is happening. It may not be the thing that is the most popular on radio right now, but, you know, the Sturgill stuff and Chris, yeah. obviously is super popular, Stapleton. But I think the other stuff's going to exist, too, and I think that's fine, too. I think everybody ought to do what they want to do, you know. See how laid back I, th- you I think we can all coexist. Coexist. You know? Right? I think so. Ain't that right? I mean, what's so wrong with, like, who cares? If you don't like a song, to change the station, you know. If you don't like a song, pull up Spotify or whatever you listen to. Find it. Yeah. Find what listen you want. to what you want to listen to. That's the beauty of nowadays, you know, we all have our own radio station custom made for our ear and in our pocket. You don't even, you don't have to listen to anything you don't want to listen to. And uh, as a writer, sometimes the Spotify, the streaming stuff gets under my skin because it's harder to make money on that as a writer. As an artist, because of that stuff, man, I'm able to have people show up. People do get to hear my music, you know. Do you do you have any like qualms with you? You made a statement like if you don't like the the song, turn the station. But what about the songs that don't ever get the airplay that they deserve? Does that bother you at all? Does that ever disrupt what you're trying to do? Well, it does a little bit, but but then I it can't for me personally because I personally choose not to go after radio. You know, I don't go to radio stations. I try to beg them to play my music so you know i'm not gonna get played on radio and maybe a lot of the artists that aren't getting played on radio i don't know if it's a conscious decision like it is for me but i imagine that it is you can decide you know what i'm gonna take this to radio you know or not and if you do decide to take it to radio they still may not play it who knows man i don't know what everybody's thinking i don't know what everybody's doing I don't know. <laughs> well, you you kind of know because you write a lot of it in your songs. 
Yeah. What people are doing. Yeah. I don't you know. observe. You you observe people a lot, don't you? I don't know that I do, but I but I guess I do. I must. Uh, but I don't. It's not a decision I make. I'm not like I'm gonna really watch this. You know, just just enjoying the moment. I try to. I eat a lot of mushrooms. <laughs> just just visualize. Yeah, man. Just make it all up. Yeah. But I think that 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 there's a difference though in in the ability to make up a song that makes sense because I don't think that a lot of your songs are made up. I don't I don't think that like you said fantasy. You you turn you do use the word magic words, mm. but you wait for those words to fall out of the sky, <clears throat> but they are part of what you're doing and deriving. Yeah. You just might not have them yeah, at the time you need they're them. They're in the back of the mind. Yeah, it's uh everything I write is kind of like what we were talking about the difference in like a Chris Stapleton show and a George Strait show where George is playing to the audience what their life is and then Chris is playing to what his life is and trying to make it interesting to you as though you're reading a story and then that's what I do I try to like my songs are written about me you know but hopefully in a way that would make you want to listen to it heck yeah I, love, I mean, I'm, I, I, we're going to have a big night tonight. This, I, I could sit here and ask you question after question or be more of an interview style. I just wanted to have a conversation to kind of get to know where you're at because I just, I, just, I just can't imagine songwriting getting better, and I know that you don't need somebody to blow I just, I just, I appreciate you caring so much, not just about me, but music. It's real obvious that you care, and for you to use your outlet to, like, get people to give a shit about what I'm doing is, really means a lot to not just me, but cool. a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that I was telling Haley that is that I, I don't do it with everybody. It's just like something's got to touch me, you know. Like mm-hmm. when I heard Leith singing on that porch that night, fifty years too Man. late. That all those years ago, when that rainstorm hit Kentucky at Turkey Camp, and I just I was like, man, I don't want to use the same old royalty free bass music that everybody uses on their TV show. Right. I want that on there. Can I use that? And then I just figured out like this network and started going to Nashville and meeting some people. And s- some of the artists I meet, their music really means a lot to me and I, and I think that that's evident in the ones that we work with but I also find it I was telling Haley in the podcast today is like I literally can't go to bed at night without hearing some of your songs that day that's, that's how it's gotten to me to where like I'll find myself on Providence Canyon third time into it without changing it like I what awesome. this song's on again right so it's cool well, I think you just answered your own question too about you know does it not does it bother you about things that don't get played on radio is, is, uh, oh man, you just said it now. It's going to slip my mind, but it, it's, uh, I, I'm, you might have to cut this part cause I can, you just said it now. I can't remember what, like what I was going to, there was a connection there, but, uh, no, it's all right. It's just real. It's, uh, Oh, I know what it is, uh, about the royalty and radio and, and that sort of thing. People like you are what can break that cycle though. Like you are changing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope. I really hope you so. are. It's people like you and like Rogan and like people that have some clout that that can. Hey, you don't have to. You can listen to this. He pushes yeah. Sturgill a lot. Hell yeah! He needs to get you on there. Yeah, I like Sturgill's new album. I don't like it as much as as King of Shit Mountain <laughs> or whatever yeah. that song was. That song yeah. you can keep the crown. It's called. Yeah. That yeah. song is. But we're gonna get a fire tonight. Yeah. Hopefully, you just pick a couple around my fire pit. I plan to. 
I got I got some I got some tri tips I'm, on. I'm gonna try to go the, the Ben Ratliff route tonight. <laughs> That's a good route. One more just to end this Brent Cobb. Brent Cobb, um, I don't like I always end podcasts by being like, you can find Brent at this on Instagram and you can find him at this website. I, I don't know if you really care about that. I don't know. Like <laughs> I wanna promote you and I promote you my own way, but I don't need to shove it down people's throat of like where to find you. If they wanna find you, they're gonna find you. When yeah. they hear your songs, they're gonna wanna find more. When they hear those, they're going to want to go see you. When they see you once, they're going to want to go back. And I think that I think that when I tell people, like, man, just go listen to the words and visualize what he's saying. And that's what I always did with, because I, I really, in my heart, feel that Leith Lofton is a strong, strong songwriter. You damn right. He, he's amazing to the way he puts words together. Yep. Um, Wingman that he did with Pinson. Uh, the, some of the songs that are on his new album are just are just so real to me. And he's the same way he sings about him. And he just his, to- his delivery, too, man. Like just Leith's delivery of oh, his songs, so or, man. I mean, he's he's like Roger Miller or something. I mean, he's Leith is he should be a legend also. I mean, he's he's the real deal. He's he's who we all like grew up liking. People like that. I mean, he's a character, but he's a real person. Like he just is that way. Yes. You know, we need that man. You ever watch that? Uh, that uh, Waylon and Friends. Oh yeah. They're they're, they're like back in the day. Yeah, and they're all sitting in that room. And it's like. George Jones there, Willie's there, On Roger Miller, yeah. Hank Jr. Like, Leith should be sitting in there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He's Heck that yeah. dude, man. He's so and, good. Uh, yeah, I love that kind You're of getting shit. Getting ready to have a baby. Yeah, I know it. Next month. Wow. Little man. girl. Yeah. I can't wait. I, did, I said, I don't know if you can name a girl Chad, but... <laughs> all right let's do king of alabama we'll call it quits right. we'll do some around the fire brent cobb he's on tour right now his band is brent cobb and them they are awesome check out his cds his music download it shine on a rainy day providence canyon he has other albums he has a lot of cuts listen to tailgate blues from 2011 by luke bryan and just listen to the wordsmith that he does the, the the way he puts words together in these songs this is king of alabama written about his good friend Wayne Mills, who died in a tragic, I don't even like to talk about it, but Brent talked about it a little bit today in Nashville. I wore his shirt to your show last night. Yeah, man. It was so awesome. You have that same painting on your bus, but or it's a drawing, but Brent Cobb, King of Alabama, off the Providence Island record. Thank you guys so much for listening to this awesome episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you, Brent Cobb, for being here. And we, like I say before, we play every, every episode of this podcast. The intro song is... Leith Lofton, what you gonna do when the money's all gone? The outro song is what you gonna do when the money's all gone. Today's outro song is Brent Cobb, King of Alabama, written by the one and only the great Wayne Mills. Thank you, Brent. Well, I didn't know him best. He say we were friends. We both rode the highways on a song So I'm riding this one here In memory of him Cause the king of Alabama Has gone home He was a man among me The old school kind Had a great big heart A laid back mind That you hold his guitar If you broke his string if he thought he looked country, all they heard him sing. From Alabama across the Rio Grande, he beat the black top down with the five piece band. Not because he loved it, 
He did that too, but he did it, man, cause that's what he was born to do. Well, some people calculate moves, he never had a thing to prove. He just let the wind take him where it may. Well, it's a damn shame the way things go. It's too bad we have to lose a good boat. But the king of Alabama. Has gone home. Now nothing good ever happens after midnight. So the story goes. You can't trust nobody. It don't matter how close. It was a friend that took him. From his family, I keep his chain in my pocket. His son in my prayers every stage I'm on. I can feel him there. Well, some people calculate moves. He never had a thing to prove. He just let the wind take him where it may. Yeah, well, it's a damn shame the way things go. Too bad we have to lose a good foe, but the king of Alabama has gone home. Some people calculate moves. He never had a thing to prove. He just let the wind take him where it may. Honky tonk's a trick. Now get a guitar and grab your pick and let them old tunes possess you and play. Well, it's a damn shame. Things go. It's too bad we have to lose a good foe. But the king of Alabama, the king of Alabama, the king of Alabama has gone.